We're an exploration of everything that's dark in history, mysteries, the paranormal, and everything else. We explore the noir, the unknown, cryptozoology, UFOs, paranormal, and all the dark stuff that happens in the Ozarks. You can find Dark Ozarks on Branson Podcast Network, on Facebook under Dark Ozarks, as well as our YouTube channel, Dark Ozarks. We'll leave no stone unturned to bring you the dark history, mysteries, and legends of the Ozarks. Welcome to Dark Ozarks. This is a special episode of the Dark Ozarks podcast. We are sitting down and talking with researcher and author Jason Offit, who has an extensive background writing on the paranormal as well as fiction in humor, sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. And we do, of course, encourage you to always check out Always Buying Books in Joplin, Missouri. In person and online on Facebook and at the website alwaysbuyingbooks.com for all of your reading needs, including a large section on the paranormal history and more. Not to mention, the building is haunted, and tell Bob and Elise that we sent you. And uh, additionally, we want to all, uh, thank you. Uh, thank, uh, can we start over? Yeah, I know. <clears throat> Here we go. We also, I'm not used to reading your part. We also want to thank Beard Engine Brewing Company in Alba, Missouri. Beard Engine Brewing is the only English-style brewery in Missouri and has been twice named Missouri's best brewery by the Missouri Brewers Association. Great beer and great food in a historical building with an ore past. And yes, their building is also haunted. Tell Nate and Tiff that we sent you. Jason, welcome. You know, a haunted bookstore, a haunted uh, brewery. I need to get down there. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That Preferably sounds great. All, all, hopefully, all three of us at the same time. That's just my, my hope. And it is, it's it it exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to this interview. And Lisa, do you want to, do you want to kick this thing off or, or me? I mean, I can a little bit. Jason, I've known Jason for a number of years and we have been on a number of shows together, podcasts, et cetera. And, Jason, one thing I, I, I find very interesting, all three of us kind of a similar background here, is that we all have done paranormal research, have written books, have a background with journalism and academia as well. So what what got you writing horror and paranormal? Let's just start there. Well, it's the... They both start when I was really young. The the the, the writing part, uh, I remember. I think I was ten, and I wrote the or I read the um, Adventures of Tom Sawyer. I'm like, this is awesome. I I, I want to do this. I want to write something. I want to write something fun like this. And of course, I told my parents I wanted to be an author when I grew up, and they you know rubbed my hair and and said, oh yeah, go get them. And of course, they laughed. But uh, yeah, and. They, and they both died before I actually got stuff published. That's that's awful. But anyway, um, so with with writing, I, I'd always wanted to. I always loved telling stories. I always loved, I loved loved to make stories up. Uh, but when it comes to the paranormal, I've been interested as long as I can remember. Uh, I was always fascinated with Saturdays growing up because. We had a TV station, an independent station out of, out of Kansas City that would show old monster and science fiction movies all day. And I would be glued to that if I didn't have a baseball game to, to play. And um, I, I just loved it. And I also 
happened to see um, a ghost in my house when I was about eight years old. And I, I walked out of my bedroom into into a, the hallway right across from my bedroom door. And because uh, I was uh, that's where we kept our bookshelves. And I was probably knowing me, I was getting the D volume of the World Book Encyclopedia to look at dinosaurs. I'm pretty sure that was one of the only books I looked at. There was a there was a little boy standing there. And he had, he had brown hair parted on one side and he was wearing a blue flannel shirt and and I could see uh, a bookshelf through him. Mm. And we we stared at each other. It's probably five seconds at most, but it seemed like forever. And then he, he until he blinked at me and, and that broke my shock. And I turned around and, and walked into my bedroom and shut the door and I didn't talk to anybody about it for at least 30 years. But from from that moment, I I knew because I saw with my own eyes something that shouldn't be, and and I knew that there was there were things out there that we just haven't discovered yet, that we just haven't put a scientific stamp on. So I just I wanted to know more, and, and eventually, when I got old enough, I started asking questions. Well, I think that's kind of the the path a lot of us take getting here and and uh, of course we got to know each other back when you you were writing more nonfiction on the paranormal mm-hmm. and based mainly in missouri and those arcs i think it was haunted missouri is what is when i met you and that's yeah oh my gosh that that was published in 2007 so yeah we've known yeah. each other for quite a while yeah and what what do you here's a good question you're from missouri and how do you what what are your thoughts on how haunted this part of the country is versus other places i don't think there's any verses at all i somebody one in one of my very first interviews somebody asked me where what i thought was the most haunted city in the country and i thought and i'm like new york is the most populated so it's probably had the most people die. So maybe that's the most. But, you know, I at one point. I was writing a, a, a paranormal column and I noticed that there were a whole lot of hauntings and, you know, a demon possession and 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 a time a guy who tried to invent a time machine and a, and a UFO incident all fairly close to where I lived. And and I put a pin in, in a map and, and drew a circle, 100 mile radius. And I, I investigated as much as I could within that 100 mile radius. And I found more than enough to, to fill a book. It's called uh, uh, What Lurks Beyond. Mm-hmm. And that made, made me realize, you know what? It's every place is haunted. Every place has has demonic slash gin slash just any evil activity ufos are seen everywhere bigfoot is seen everywhere actually literally everywhere uh bigfoot's been reported in uh 49 of 50 states the only state it hasn't been reported in is hawaii and and so everywhere is just as haunted and paranormal as everywhere else we just got to get out there and look for it I, I like I like that. Maybe maybe it is a matter of just turning over the stones to find the stories. Right. Josh, you want to jump in? 
So I'm, and Jason, I'm going to repeat my question since we're actually on the podcast. We jumped in early. But in uh, one of one of your recent books, The Girl in the Corn, uh, interviews and in regarding the, the book itself and your preparation for the book included that you said that you had interviewed individuals who had had relationships with people who claimed to be fae. Could you please tell me about that? Right. Well, The Girl in the Corn is uh, a horror novel that one uh recently as a matter of fact the uh um independent book publishers association's gold ben franklin award for the best horror novel of 2022 uh, which i'm proud of uh wish I had, thank you i wish i had the award in front of me but it's in my office sitting on my desk for people to walk in and, and see it but i got the initial idea from my daughter a couple of years ago was uh was watching a, a disney movie she was watching one of the mini tinkerbell movies which is about fairies and i'm watching i'm going you know what fairies aren't like that because i've researched fairies before the the lore of little people across the world is common and it's pretty much all the same they are diminutive people who can be big if they want to or really small if they want to they're mischievous or they're deadly and you better not cross them i had interviewed uh for for my newspaper column about beyond the or uh from the shadows i'd I'd interviewed a man years ago who claimed to have had a relationship a romantic relationship with a uh woman who said she was part fey her mother uh, was human and her father was was fay and and the 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 relationship he was more than convinced was right uh that that you know that she was that she was right about about her fay you know background because the love he fell into was immediate and hard and stronger than anything he'd ever felt and the first part of their relationship was stronger than anything he had ever felt. And there were times to where she was equally as seemingly strongly in love with him as she, as he was with her. And other times she didn't seem to care. She had a job, which apparently a, a lot of people who are fae who are living around us have, uh, which are later, which which are jobs that are late at night. So they don't have to interact with a lot of people. She delivered newspapers at three o'clock in the morning and he ended up riding with her one night and they ran out of gas. And she said, this is no problem. And the car started back up and she finished her route before going to the gas station and getting more gas. When they went home, uh, he found out that she was married and her husband was there and she introduced him and before they went back into the bedroom and and uh, and fooled around and her husband didn't seem to care well the the relationship carried on for a little bit not very long and and finally she she broke it off with him and the the last night that he spent with her he was driving home and 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 uh, a dark entity uh, appeared in his vehicle and he felt uh, oppressed by this. He's just a, an overwhelming feeling of despair was on him. And and when he got home, it, it followed him in and he, he called her and she said, I, I can't talk to you anymore. And he described what happened. And she goes, 
it'll never, it, it won't bother you again. Just leave me alone or it will. And then it disappeared and he, he didn't have any more contact with her. But anyway, that I, I used that knowledge and, and, and the knowledge of other things that I'd researched, you know, to, to play off of the fact that, that Tinkerbell's not, not a nice thing uh, to, to write my novel. I, I wanted to have a fairy as the bad guy. I love that. I love that. I Jumping over to, and I just love to be able to put these three words together. So thank you, Jason. Matriarchal Nazi cannibals. Nazi cannibals. <laughs> yeah. That was, um, I absolutely <laughs> love that novella because it came to me in the middle of the night. I was dreaming. I dreamt the whole novella and I woke up and I told my wife about it. And she said, you better write this down. <laughs> so I did. And, uh, it was 27,000 words worth. And uh, yeah, it, uh, and it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> and I have uh, to say, it's one of my favorite things that you've written. I, yeah. I, I, I still love it. It's, uh, I it's appreciate very that. Well done. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, uh, uh, Nazis, uh, a bunch of uh, women who uh, who escaped from Nazi Germany and moved to uh, moved to Missouri and ended up, uh, yeah, eating people. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> mm, what uh, I want to get your definition, Jason. Your definition of good horror writing uh, versus everything else. Oh my gosh, uh, good horror. Well, let me just start with good writing. I want to one care about the characters one way or another. I either want to love them or I want them to die. One, <laughs> one of the two, I just want to care in some way. And I, I also want it to feel real. I mean, somebody posted on, on Twitter today. She asked what was more in, important writing what you know, or using your imagination. And I, and I said, they both are. Since I write humor and well, humor, I write horror. Well, I do write humor. I write horror and science fiction. Man, I can't write what I know, but I use the write what I know to make it real, to ground it in reality. Because if horror is not grounded or science fiction isn't grounded in reality, if people don't have their, you know, personal everyday problems, if gravity doesn't work right, if you know, they're not scared when the monster pops out. That's a problem. So good humor, good horror is grounded in reality enough to where you feel for the person. King, Stephen King does this the be better than anybody because he paints a believable picture of a normal world and then lets the monsters out. So that's 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 what makes good horror writing, I think. Love that. Lisa? I, I want to, you mentioned about writing humor. I, I I think it's interesting because you you write so many different types of fiction as well as nonfiction. What do you think is the hardest thing to write? Oh, humor by far. Not necessarily. I mean, I've been doing it for long enough. It's, it's pretty easy now, but I, I teach at a university. You know that. Uh, I don't know mm -hmm. if the audience does, but I teach... Uh, a lot of my classes are writing classes, and one of them I teach is an opinion writing class. And, and my section on humor writing is the hardest for everybody involved. 
because what is funny? I mean, it's all subjective. Um, mm-hmm. in, in order to make something funny for everybody, man, that's hard work. So, uh, it, it, I don't think it's, it's hard to scare people. I don't think it's hard to make people cry, but to make somebody laugh. Yeah. That's the most difficult. That's fair. <clears throat> Jumping over to the Midwest, Jason, what's your definition of Midwest culture and has it affected your writing? Oh yeah, well it's com- it's completely it molded my writing because yeah, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I still live in the Midwest. I say ope. I didn't realize that until recently, but I say ope a lot. Uh, I'm polite to people. You know, I say hi. I wave. I do the farmer thing. I'm driving down the street. You know, I just, I wave at people. Yeah, the the I I, I based my novels in the Midwest, Missouri, uh, Missouri specifically, a little bit in Kansas and Oklahoma and Iowa, but I just, it's, it's comfortable here. I I think people are really nice and I I want to explore their niceness again, when the monsters come out uh, to see, to see how they'll, they'll react. But it also, it gives a feeling of fellowship when it comes to neighbors and even people, people that you don't know. So I, I, I think that's how it's affected, affected by writing. Lisa? You, you mentioned this earlier. It made me think of it. You wrote a book about time travel, mm-hmm. time machine. And you've told me this story a number of times, but you've, you've met someone who said he, created time machine was that the inspiration for the book uh no 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 no, because i've been interested the first tv show after scooby-doo the first tv show that i gleaned onto was the original star trek and Mm -hmm. tv station growing up in in my area played reruns every single day Seven days a week, and I didn't miss one of them. My favorite episodes were all the time travel episodes. And and I remember one Saturday afternoon watching uh uh watching watching a you know TV and uh HG Wells time machine from I think it was 19 uh 1960, I think is when it came out, came on, and I'm like, what is going on here? This is awesome. So I just time travel, and I've read a lot of books on time travel and uh not just science fiction, but but uh, scientific books on, on time travel. And it fascinates me, always has, because it's not impossible. Science says it can really happen. So I, I just I just wanted to write a book on time travel and, and there it happened. Yeah. There you go. And Jason, you were on Coast to Coast AM. Tell me about that, please. All right. Well, I was on three different times. The only problem I have with it is, man, from midnight till four in the morning, I am hell for work the next day. Oh, my God, that's awful. (laughs) But my only regret is not being interviewed by Art Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was interviewed by Ian Punnett, who, who was great. I liked Ian and George Norrie twice, which was which was good as, as as well. It was interesting in the fact that the audience was so big. 
I mean, the show's on more than 500 radio stations across North America. You know, I mean, what? Really? I'm, that many people are, are, are listening to me? I also got kind of a taste on what it's like to do something that big. I mean, in order to... And, and, and I've had this happen on a few different shows, like uh, the X-Zone Radio from, uh, from Canada, which is basically their coast-to-coast. Uh, it, it's kind of the same thing. The host does every show, almost every show, and doesn't have time to read all the books. So I had to forward my own questions, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird. But that's I, I realize kind of why that's necessary. Uh, I, I just think the... Uh, I just think that the size of the audience was, was really cool. And uh, the fact that uh, I, I cuss a lot and I couldn't. You had to watch yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, even when I'm teaching, I'll drop a word here and there and, but no, not, 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 not on this. I didn't want to be banned from a, from a, you know, a, a forum that big. That's fair. That's fair question I have is being Darko's Arts, what do you think is the most noir story out of the Ozarks that you're aware of? Oh my gosh. Um, um, oh my God. Okay. So give me a second to remember okay. his name. His first name is Billy. Uh, Billy Mad Dog Cook. Yep. That guy, that guy, uh, who the uh, movie uh, from the early 1950s, The Hitchhiker, was based off of, starring uh, one of the little rascals. He played Beretta on TV in the 70s. What's his name? Oh, yeah. um, I can see him. And then uh, also starred uh, the. um, the He was a priest uh, in some TV show. Yeah, and then he uh, also uh, started the fellow that was the prosecutor. Robert Blake. Yeah, Robert Blake. Robert Blake. I think he also starred in uh, the movie In Cold Blood. I, I think, think he so. was in that too. Anyway, so yeah, Matt, Billy Mad Dog Cook. Um, I, I think because he was a serial killer and mm-hmm. he was from Joplin, had a horrible mm-hmm. life growing up. And decided, I guess, to take it out on other people. He hitchhiked and and um, kidnapped an entire family who were just out on vacation. Uh, husband, mm-hmm. wife, a couple of kids and a dog. He had them mm-hmm. drive him all over the, uh, you know, through Oklahoma and, and, uh, and New Mexico and Arizona and down into Mexico. He ended up killing everybody, including the dog, including mm-hmm. a sheriff's deputy dumping the family, not the deputy, but the family and the dog's body uh, all the way back in Joplin in a, uh, in a coal mine. A lead mine, actually. It was a lead mine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, In a, in a mine. (laughs) Let me see. Let me backtrack. So he, um, yeah. And, and, and when he was finally captured, uh, I believe it was in Oklahoma uh, and brought back his, his body. It was in Mexico. Yeah, okay, tried, tried in Oklahoma it. and uh-huh. then put to death. And when he was brought back, he was brought back at night mm-hmm. because uh, the people, the, the the authorities were going to bury him and they didn't want anybody to know where he was buried. 
and they buried mm-hmm. him in Peace Church. No, they buried buried him at Peace Church Cemetery, which is north of Joplin, uh, mm-hmm. outside the cemetery, and there's no marker. But people will um, uh, report seeing a, a black shadow, yeah, walking around the cemetery and uh, and and on neighboring roads. So I, I think that's a pretty pretty cool and highly localized story. I think that's fair. It's kind of hard to get more noir than Billy. Yeah, that it is. Uh, Jason, what is your favorite zombie work in pop culture, either book or film? Oh, man, I'm going to have to break it into two. The first one being uh, man, Night of the Living Dead. I, I teach a class on film study that's specifically horror and science fiction. And, and I show that one because that relates so much to racism and and the Cold War. And, and there's so much cultural influence in that. And it, of course, being the very first modern zombie film. And I don't know if you knew this, but uh, uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, went to the premiere, the opening night premiere. Because he, George Romero, had been a cameraman on his show. So that's that's a fun bit of trivia, but I I think that's my favorite just because of the cultural significance. But man, I love Shaun of the Dead. That to me is a perfect zombie movie because it is a tribute to all these other zombie movies, including Night of the Living Dead, and it's just damn funny. It is. And uh, I taught a. Uh, travel writing class in london a number of years ago and uh one of the places that i went to was the winchester which is an apartment building <laughs> so i was highly disappointed i wanted to go <laughs> wanted to go in for a pint i guess i could have knocked on somebody's door and asked for a beer but i didn't you weren't bold enough huh yeah i guess not no it's not in a good neighborhood <laughs> oh <laughs> Don't want to be a victim in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Research in outside of Missouri, uh, either Arkansas, Kansas, Oklahoma, Iowa, most memorable incident or occurrence. Oh, jeez. Uh, um, I'm going to have to say Oklahoma for the spook light. I didn't see the spook light, but... I heard a shotgun go off at two o'clock in the morning. So that was pretty memorable. I got the hell out of there. That's that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, let me, let me, let me backtrack and go to Kansas. Um, uh, And I'm I'm sure you guys know the Sally house. That's a pretty famous Mm -hmm. place. I recommend this to anybody going to any place that has a haunted reputation if you feel uncomfortable, leave. Just leave. Uh, because there are places that I've been that I've been comfortable. Everything's fine. And I'll go back again. And, and my, my chest will get tight. And I'll start sweating. And my my breath will get hard. And it's like the fight or flight hits me. And, and there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go in the Sally house. I had an appointment. And I pulled up. I didn't even get fully out of my car. My foot was still 
inside my car and I felt that heavy fight or flight. And there was no way in hell I was going to go into that house. Uh, I could go there right now. I mean, it's 45 minute, 45 minute drive and I'd probably be fine. But at that moment, there was something that was telling me don't go. I think that's interesting because I, I, I do think that that, that points to a very valid fact that a, a haunted location, it can be different at different times. Right. A abs absolutely. It can. Um, uh, there's a place in Mary, uh, north of Maryville uh, called Workman Chapel. It's it's made the rounds on the Internet as being really haunted. Uh, it, it is, but not for the reasons that are on the Internet. But I've been out there 20 plus times. Uh, cool thing about me going out there is I have permission. And most people who go out there don't. But um, only yeah. one time I went out there and everything is I got out of my car and everything was dead quiet. It was it was like I was in a vacuum. There was no wind. There were no coyotes out in the distance. It was at night. There were no bugs. There were no night birds. There was nothing. It was dead silent. It could have been a bobcat in the trees for all, for all I know. And it probably was, but it could have been something else. And, and like I said, I just got out of there. Yeah. Fair. What do you, what effect do you think that the internet has had on people's perception of the paranormal? Oh yeah, that's a great question. It has distorted it really because there are so many people posting about so many things they've done whether they've done them or not who knows the paranormal is not as sexy as people make it out to be i mean because how many times how many times do you all go to some place to to do an investigation and absolutely nothing happens i mean it's most of the time i think ghosts are jerks you mean they, really they, they don't come out all the time when you go out there. But according to everything people post on, on, on YouTube or TikTok or whatever they're doing, paranormal stuff happens all the time because that's how they see it on TV. Right. And it's not really how it is. I, the, the, the times when I go out places and something happens to me, I'm not looking for it. I'm going out there because I don't I don't approach things as a ghost hunter. Uh, I, I approach things as, as more of a journalist. I interview people. I, I go to the spots where something paranormal supposedly happened. I document what it looks like, what it feels like, you know, all this, all, all, all these things. And if something happens, it happens. And, and that's rare, but it has happened to me. Uh, but but I think. You know, I, I think it's it's colored things differently. It's also not just from that aspect, but it has done a lot of bad things for people in general. And and I'm specifically going to go with with the story. I, I think you guys are going to probably definitely know this. The um, the the Slender Man stabbing that happened in Wisconsin a number of years ago. Yeah, I mean, the Slender Man was made up it was completely fictional and two girls who wanted to uh you know to run away and join slender man stabbed a 12 times stabbed a friend of theirs almost to death it was lucky she survived 
I mean, if it wasn't for the you know inter- internet hype, that wouldn't have happened. You know, so I mean, that's one of the bad things. Another bad thing is, I feel. I mean, I don't have evidence. If I did, I'd be a lot wealthy. I'd be wealthy. I don't know if I had evidence that putting energy toward a paranormal concept will create it. You know, if I had evidence of that, that would be something really important. But that happens, I feel. You know, it it happens with with tulpas. You know, you make something up in your mind, it appears. The, the, The Slender Man, there are people who've reported actually seeing it. And they're dead serious that they saw it. You know, well, people have been talking about it on the Internet for so long. Some entity may be the Slender Man. It may be adopting that persona. You know, it's the same with black-eyed kids. It's the same with, with shadow beings, shadow people. You know, that we're putting so much energy toward that, we're actually making them happen. I, I do think there there is something to thought forms and tulpas. Um, I, I agree. And I think it goes to just the energy to show that we have an effect on our environment. Yeah, we we don't have to heat the planet up to show we have an effect on our environment. True. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Jason, what's your favorite cryptid? Oh, Bigfoot, man. Totally. Yeah, because actually, let's. Uh, I'm going to take a, a little step back. I don't really consider this a cryptid because it it lived until 1936 and people have reported seeing it all, you know, a lot since then. So it's probably still alive. The the thylacine in Australia, I think it's probably still around. But when it comes to a pure cryptid, man, Bigfoot, it has been seen, like I said earlier, in every state but Hawaii. It's been seen all across Canada. Hey, Central America, South America. Europe, including England, Russia, Africa, Australia, China. It's been seen all across the planet over centuries. All these eyewitness accounts can't be wrong. All the evidence that's been collected, especially, I think, the uh, um, uh, plaster cast footprints with dermal ridges. I think those are extremely important. You know, if if that was taken at the scene of a crime, somebody would be put in jail with that evidence. So, man, I think Bigfoot's out there. Somebody's just got to hit him with a truck. <laughs> I don't want to see him dead, a, a Bigfoot dead, but, man, that's what it's going to take. It came hard enough to stun him. Yeah, well, you know, in, in Oklahoma, there's there's – open hunting season on Bigfoot. So, you know, maybe they'll, they'll call her. Yeah. That's true. They did. They did pass that law. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess this might be a good point to uh, do a shout out. Where can people find your books? And get a hold uh, of you. Okay. uh, To find my books. I mean, they're on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and, um, you know, any place that sells books, 
Uh, I even even saw that uh, a number of them are at uh, WH Smiths in England. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but my website, it's Jason Offit, J A S O N O F F U T T dot com. Uh, all my books are listed there. Uh, I also, you know, post articles and uh, short stories and updates. I also have my contact information is there. So, yeah, get a hold of me. I'd love to hear from people. And I, I encourage people to, to get Jason's books because they, they are extremely well written and you can you can find something you're interested in because you write on a lot of different things a lot of and i want to say um one of the books that i mentioned uh earlier about the hundred mile radius uh, uh-huh. uh all the paranormal things it's called what lurks beyond it's not in print anymore but i still have some copies so if anybody's interested in an autographed copy just get a hold of me via my website and i'll uh, i'll get you taken care of the very yeah. last chapter is about a mind-reading dog. <laughs> Who can resist that? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Those uh, those conclude my questions. That I, formal okay. questions. I have. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, throw, throw a question out there, Josh. Something that you're just interested in. Oh, UFOs. Oh, my gosh. I was uh, glued to the Internet yesterday about the testimony in front of Congress, and it bothered me that lots of people aren't talking about it. However, it also bothered me that we had a whistleblower talking about things he hadn't actually seen. So, again, I was hoping for disclosure. Rug got pulled out you know, from underneath me. I just want from one day the president of the United States to stand with a piece of wreckage and say there are extraterrestrial civilizations. Uh, that that would make me really happy. Um, I'm convinced there are. I mean, looking at the numbers, looking at the, you know, statistically speaking, Given all of the stars, all of the planets, there's got to be something out there. As Carl Sagan said, I mean, he didn't, he's not the original one who said this, but he, he's the one quoted for saying it. Uh, you know, if, if we're the only civilization out there, uh, what a tremendous waste of space. And, yeah. and that is so true. It yeah. seems almost that, 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 uh, that there's just a, a, trickle of information being dangled and you wonder if that's intentional or if it's you know a a diversion tactic you know when i saw the new york times in i was it 2019 2017 it was a few years ago when i saw them publish an article about the tic-tac ufos Mm -hmm. i'm like the New York Times is writing a serious story about UFOs. I thought this was going to be it, and and it still still might be, because there, I think it's honestly undeniable at this point, there are extraterrestrial civilizations. I mean, the universe is what fourteen point five billion years old. The Earth is four point three billion years old. I think uh, it would be sad to think 
that we haven't been visited by this point. And if we haven't, maybe it's because every other civilization started so early and they've already died off. I don't know, but there's got to be something. And another thing that annoys me is when science goes, well, we're so far away from the nearest star, it would take so long for a civilization to get here. No, that's using our science. Right. All right. More, a little over 100 years ago, the the uh, um, the guy who ran, uh, you know, the the, the department of, uh, of, of um, what word am I thinking of? Um, the patent office. Patent office. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Said that nothing new will ever be. We've invented everything. Okay, that nothing new will ever be invented because we've already done it. You know, if if that can be said, that's the same thing as scientists saying they can't get here from there. Well, yeah, yeah, we just don't know how to do it. They do. So, yeah, I'm convinced they've been here. Hell, they might be here right now. And if they are, I hope you're watching. Send me an email. Uh, There's there's a number of UFO stories in our part of the country what's your what what do you think is the most interesting event that's happened in this part of the country regarding ufos um i think it was is probably the 1941 alleged ufo crash uh, between cape Girardeau and sykeston there i mean there the the famous count is uh, a woman talking about her grandfather who was a a preacher being called to deliver last rites on pilots of a craft. And when he went there, you know, they weren't, it wasn't an airplane and they weren't humans, but, but Mm -hmm. I had an interview with a woman named Linda Wallace a number of years ago, who was just doing research on her father who worked uh, for the army air air corps back, you know, back then, because it wasn't the air force. We didn't have the air force until 1947. It was the army air corps. And there was a base, uh, down in South Missouri, and she went down there to to, to research her dad. And uh, this has been a number of years ago, but she talked with a number of people uh, in in rest homes who had served with her father, who all told her about the UFO crash. So she was, I mean, she's convinced that it actually happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, that would explain you know, the UFO crash, uh, you know, near Cape Girardeau would exp- explain Rush Limbaugh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> potentially mm-hmm. <laughs> well and then it's also not very far from uh piedmont which 1973 certainly... but the piedmont oh my gosh in the ufo ufo flap of 73 uh there were so many sightings in piedmont missouri yeah and and really that was my understanding's right that's really one of the first incidents that was seriously studied by researchers right yeah yeah i mean it ranks up there with the uh 1952 whenever the uh the u.s capital was buzzed by ufos and and the uh no the the los angeles the fight over battle over los angeles it's equal to those as you know as important why do you think it's not talked about as much yeah midwest nobody pays attention to us we're flyover country for god's sake again going back to my fiction that's why i write everything here i pace everything here pay attention to us in the midwest we're important i I like i like that and that that's a lot of our philosophy as well 
Josh, you have anything? Um, Klingons or Romulans? I'm. I've always been a Vulcan guy, so I'm more into Romulans. Although, yeah, Klingons get all the press, man. I just watched uh, today's episode of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, and of course, there was a Klingon on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Josh, why don't you answer that question? Yeah. Oh, Romulans. Romulans. <laughs> Romulan warbird. I mean, it, it's a, well, you know, the, the um, Star Trek, the the uh, the original series, the uh, Balance of Terror episode with the Romulan warbird, man, that was that's my all time favorite. I love that episode. Yeah, I really do. I really do. It's fantastic. Yeah. It just um, it fascinates me how two cultures split or one culture splits and they go into completely different directions. Yes. So I love that dynamic. I do too. I do too. <laughs> Fantastic. We, uh, we, I'm, I'm just putting this out there. We all need to be in the same place at the same time, not just on Zoom. I, right. no, well, I, I that, agree. that, that brewery you guys were talking about sounds good. So <laughs> next time I'm down there, which yes. I haven't been down there in a long time, I, I'll let you guys know. Please do. Do that and we, we can meet up because, yeah, definitely. You would enjoy it. It's haunted and good beer and food, too. All right. That's everything I like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we sure appreciate, Jason. And uh, is there anything that you want to add? No, no. I'm just really happy that you guys had me on. I've had a great time tonight. I I, I really appreciate the invite. Again, I said this earlier in the show, but it's been way too long since I've I've talked to you all. Well, it, it really has, and we'll make sure it's not, not this long again. How's All that? right. I appreciate it. And we thank everybody, and we will see you next time. All Thanks. right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, I'll see Thanks. you guys later.